This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 The Ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovin. I love Billy Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Happy Cinco de Mayo to everybody out there. This is On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket and a Thirsty Thursday. So it's a really good combination for us. I think we're going to have some fun today on On the Block. Uh, I'm Jake Bakovin. He is the Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Uh, Eric, how are things going for you today? As uh, it is, uh, It's a great day for, uh, for a Thirsty Thursday here on Cinco de Mayo. Well, as you may not notice, you don't see the things behind me that you would normally see which is like my jersey so yeah today i am actually in um miami uh my close friend and buddy and one two combination partner cluster johnson is is uh celebrating a wonderful day for his family nice so i just decided to drive down and partake and take part they're out they're all walking on the beach right now and doing all those fun things i'm just sitting here uh in the room, <laughs> on the block. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not on the beach block, but I'm on the block. Yeah. Right now, so, yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, I we were talking about it earlier. How um, on the ticket water cooler? Um, basically, Miami. Part of the reason why Miami, the program, is so easy to hate is because they are so darn cool. Because the city of Miami is like, um, probably as far as like coolness factor, you'd have to rank it right up there as one of the coolest cities in, in the United States. Where does it rank on like your list of the cities that you've been to? Which is basically, you know, you've been in the NBA, you travel quite a bit. Uh, basically almost every cool city, I suppose, in the United States. Well, I'm kind of weird. So Miami was a great place. I mean, I think for me, when I played, Miami was one of the good places because of the hotel we stayed in. So the hotels here that we stayed in every room, I think it's called, um, it's, it's, it's the manor house or something like that. Um, and every room literally had a jacuzzi in it. So just imagine, you know, you come down, you're playing a game or, you know, if you have your girlfriend fly down or whatever, it's just a phenomenal, like literally on your like porch, it's like every room is a nice suite and every room had a jacuzzi on the back patio. And so it was always fun when we came and played in Miami. You're always hoping that we're going to get an extra <laughs> an extra night. So we'll get a chance to enjoy the fun and fruits of the, the jacuzzi action afterwards. Yeah, there is. There's that we've talked about before. There's that that small advantage people maybe may not realize of, uh, you know, if you're an opposing player coming in to play in Miami or New York or, you know, at Los Angeles or one of those, you, you know, you might not have a well-rested team for the game. I mean, you know, they might have been out late the previous night. I have a story. I have a story <laughs> that, that just blows up that premise, right? All right. So um, playing with the Boston Celtics, your team. Yeah. And um, 
we had a game, we had a back-to-back. So we had a game in Atlanta. We had a night stay in Atlanta, but we played the game, but it was going to be a back-to-back in Miami. So we fly out, we're on the plane, and Antoine, Antoine Walker goes, he's like, Yo, man, I got three limos waiting on us as soon as we, soon as we <laughs> land. So everybody land. We like, cool, Twan, yeah. We like, all right, baby. So as soon as we He's land. He's taking out the team. Our, yo, no, he he basically had three limos waiting for most of us. Oh, nice. You know, it, was, it was a great, great bunch of us. So we land. Uh, we all hit, hit and take our bags to the room. We go down. The three limos is waiting. And we all jump in, different ones. You know, it's not full, but it's a good portion of us. So it's like me, Twan, Eric Williams, Tony Batty, uh, Paul Pierce, all of us, we just in different limos. Yeah. So we go out, we go to this place called beds, have a nice time, eat a meal, relax. This is now, this is now, mind you, we played a game the night before. <laughs> yeah. So just think about well, the night up basically take a, take a shower, get on the plane, drive to the bus, um, fly out, land, go to the plane, unload bags. So it's two th- something in the morning, mind you, when we finally hit the Jeez. So now we go to the beds, everything is cool, nice little vibe. But then there's this place, man, I cannot remember the name and it's still here. I just can't remember the name. It's been so long since we've been. But we went in there at at least three in the morning. And the we was tossing back some drinks, had a nice little area. We was dancing, just having a good time. And we walked out of there. We was like, yo, man, we got to go. <laughs> we, like, we got to go. We walked out of there at like six in the morning. And the line box was still down the street. Like, I'm, I'm not lying to you. There was a line going still halfway down the street when we walked out of there. The sun was coming up. And guess what? We beat him the next night. <laughs> he still beat Miami. <laughs> that night. That night. We beat Miami. Dwayne Wade. Alonzo Morning. Oh, yeah. That, that crew, we still beat them that night. Oh, man. Yeah, so maybe it doesn't affect you so much, uh, I suppose. Does your coach, obviously, as opposed to college, um, does your coach pretty much, uh, most of your coaches in the NBA, let you kind of take care of yourself as far as nightlife? It's on you. Yeah. You just got to come to work. You know, you, you just come to work. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much you can do whatever, however, but at the end of the day, you come to work, you're good. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. But there are some like in playoff games, you know, he'll he'll reference, hey man, you guys be careful. Don't, you know, don't, you know, do your thing, but don't don't go crazy. Like, you know, we got a big game tomorrow. So he'll he'll reference that, right? Yeah. So yeah. Well the yeah. other the other question I had for you is if you went, I mean, would you have a chance to be maybe not noticed if you would go uh, split up from the team, but if you like travel in the with the team, like everybody knows. Oh, okay, I, I know. You know, those those are the Celtics, or you know, those are the Mavericks, whoever you were playing with. Well, we don't always go together. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's kind of clicked. You kind of clicked with a little group, you know, that you normally hang with, and and, and so uh, sometimes it's expanded. Like that was an expanded hangout. You know, sometimes yeah. it's just like it'll be me, you, me, Paul. Hey, maybe Antoine or maybe Tony, me and Paul. It's sometimes just small groups of us. We'll go kind of do our own little thing because at that time, Tuan had a girlfriend and, you know, uh, she's on one of those shows, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ex-girlfriend, one of those uh, basketball wives shows. And that's the crazy thing about it. All of them that's on that basketball, the first original basketball shows, they were on the, they were there. Kenny, Kenny Anderson's wife. Oh yeah. Um, uh yeah antoine 
not not Paul's, but Antoine, Eric, Williams, uh, wife, all of them were yeah, the originals. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's just kind of weird too, because like when I see, I've seen a few NBA players, because especially just going out uh, to Los Angeles. Actually, both times that I've been to um, uh, Universal Studios, which is really fun out there if you haven't been. But uh, I, uh, I it, it's just kind of funny because when you see a guy, like I saw a guy going down the elevator, I go that six eight guy looks like Rudy Gay. That's probably Rudy. You know, you can't like mess up basketball players, you know, it's not, unless they're like, a, you know, a six foot guy or, you know, one of the guards. Um, but these days, you know, everybody's like six, five enough to begin with. It's like, right. what are the chances that six, eight guy that looks exactly like Rudy Gay isn't Rudy Gay? So I'm pretty sure I saw Rudy Gay. Uh, then I saw people this last time uh, uh, taking pictures with N uh, Nicholas Batum. It was the same type of thing. I was like, that guy really looks like mm -hmm. Nicholas Batum. And then, you know, you're like, well, mm -hmm. that's a six, eight guy that looks like Nicholas Batum. And then people were taking pictures with him. So uh, maybe they maybe still have some uh, doppelgangers out there, but usually not with the same height. No. And that, that's <laughs> the thing is, is the thing about it is that's why I love being my size because my size, my build, I mean, I played at 225. So I was always just pretty stockily built. So when people look at me, they also, they they may look, and unless you're like an absolute basketball fan, you you would know. So you would look, but you would like, man, he looks like an athlete. But yeah, they ask me, they'd be like, "You play football?" And I and I'd be like, "No, no, I didn't play football." <laughs> and I can keep on moving. Yeah. I don't have to even have that discussion. So Never interested in sports too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of blessing in that. Uh, let's get to some of the news of the day. Uh, it's kind of interesting. The SEC and Pac-12 commissioners are visiting Washington in pursuit of help with the NIL policies. Uh, for, uh, it, it's uh, so it's kind of weird that those those two commissioners are kind of leading um, this group to kind of settle down the NIL, considering. Those are, you know, at least as far as Pac-12, the rumors go, USC being a part of uh, of the biggest NIL deal so far. You think the SEC has the most money, but it's it's bit it's basically across the board. Administrators, coaches uh, from around the nation, um, whether they're trying to benefit or doing their best to get out in front of this stuff, um, everybody kind of agrees there needs to be some legislation, some some things kind of boiling down to it. What's interesting is the NCAA has uh, has refused to do this because basically the NCAA. Um, doesn't we you know we talk about the guardrails that need to be put up, um, and the NCAA seems to be a little bit hesitant to get out in front of this um, because they're worried about getting sued or you know having you know have to look at these guys as employers you know moving forward, and so they really don't want to touch this stuff. So it's almost like the the commissioners are are going off on their own here. Uh, and it was the Pac-12 commissioner that, that said this. I'm reading this from an ESPN article. It said either the NCAA is going to get its act together in enforcing this, or I'm going to be push, or or I'm going to be pushing for a smaller group to figure out how to create and enforce the NIL rules that we agree uh, that we all agree on related to inductment in and pay for play. The amount of uh, NIL payment should be uh, with uh, commensurate with the work done as a backstop to make sure we're not using it related to the uh, inducement and pay for play. So basically recruiting, um, but it's just kind of interesting that the Pac-12 and SEC commissioner are kind of breaking off on their own, going away from the NCAA uh, to try to get this NIL stuff put in order with policies from Washington. Um, but it just kind of leads more and more to me. And we saw this the other day with Ohio State's athletic director. We didn't quite get to the story, but we brought it up yesterday. Um, also suggesting a maybe a breakaway from the NCAA just because of how big uh, college football has gotten. And, you know, it kind of gets 
maybe restricted to a degree being piled in with all these other, with the NCAA other sports, right? Where, you know, you have to have a certain amount of scholarships here. And, and it's just, it seems to be too big to be involved in all that. So, I mean, is that in, the question kind of leads, is the NIL going to be, um, I, I guess the, the, the driving factor in leading potentially a breakaway from the NCAA for college football? I mean, let's, 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 let's be honest. And I'm going to say this in a manner that is not, um, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm careful about my words. Um, this isn't going to be a, a negative in my, the way that I say this, right. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm just making a reference. Um, whether it be in merchandising, whether it be in drug sales, whether, so you see that that's why I'm not I'm not saying, you know, go and do it. But I'm just saying the best way to maximize every piece of that pie is to minimize how many pie pieces are distributed and then you get to eat more of the pie. Yeah. Do you understand? So if if you as college football are able to put together a nice unit, a conglomerate, a a, a a, a unit that's basically a governing body or decision-making body that, you know, represents whatever is under their purview. You cut out the middleman, which is the NCAA, yeah. who has been for all these years, been making the large chunk of the pie, but their bite and their, and, and their strength and their power has become more minimized. So at this point, why would you, deal with a middleman when you can deal with each other and maximize your size of the pie. So that's why I'm saying this NIL stuff getting to the place that it's getting to the, the boards and and the different ADs now going to Congress because they're trying to implement something to help mitigate these particular issues that they're dealing with out there in this space that is untouched unearthed. It's like Mars. Ain't nobody landed on that thing yet, except the (laughs) Rover that's roving around. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what's going on, and that's leading slowly to what uh, Gene Smith over at Ohio State has been talking about. It's kind of providing real meat, substance to those conversations that's going on right now about possibly leaving the NCAA. Yeah, and, and for for what it's worth, Gene Smith uh, is is basically saying uh, instead of having you know operating under the NCAA umbrella they have the college football playoff set up. So, you know, that's, that's the agreement between, um, you know, all the conferences that, that settle in. It does have to be the power five. He's even talking about the 10 conferences all together. Right. So it's not necessarily leaving anybody out, which is a fear that I think people have had for years is that maybe, you know, the sec and the big 10 get together and say, well, we make the most money. Let's just make our own league. And then these other teams get left out. Um, certainly it would be easy to see that with the power five. Um, so, as far as the smaller schools, but I mean, it, it that's part of the problem too, is that he wants kind of the, uh, the governing or to, to kind of finally catch up to what it's been the longest time, right? We all have these same rules, 85 scholarships um, at, at right now. You can only take 25 a class, you know, all these different rules um, acting as if Kent state and Ohio state are on the same playing field. You know, let's let's go ahead and, and play in the real world. Let's move move away from that. Um, can create our own rules within the college football playoff. 
Um, but it is kind of scary because you're, you're talking about the powers that be there. Like, you know, Ohio State, um, you know, the, the, the SEC, the, the big branded schools, the S, you know, USC, something like that. You know, they could come together and, and completely have a different idea of what they want this to look like compared to, you know, Wake Forest and uh, in Kansas and in Northwestern and other schools that, you know, just aren't going to be those brand names. So it's interesting to see where it goes. It would be completely um, new territory with without the NCAA, but they frankly think that they've outgrown it and they believe the NCAA is, is you know, timid to, to get involved because they don't want to see more lawsuits come down. For what it's worth, Mark Emmett, the lead of the NCAA, going to step down here in about 14 months I think was uh, was the was the idea but with the college football playoff model already kind of set up and maybe looking to even expand here in the next several years um, you already kind of have that to base yourself around whereas like NCAA basketball it's the NCAA tournament. So, you know, basketball would have a ways to go there. So you could see, you know, a breaking off from the NCAA from the schools as far as football goes, but still staying within that structure. So maybe not necessarily bad blood or anything within basketball. And then certainly all the, you know, non-revenue uh, producing sports. And then, you know, maybe if you if the NCAA eventually has to work with a bunch of non-revenue producing sports, It'll be what it was meant to be from the beginning instead of taking advantage mm-hmm. of the money that's been made uh, over this long haul. Yeah, I, I think I think they still have a place that they can play in, um, some form of usage. Um, but there's, there's compliance officers in every university, right? So, you know, making sure that you're in compliance, because right now some of the stuff that the NCAA is, is doing and some of the slaps on the wrist that they're handing out, um, some of the stuff that's being brought out, then some of the stuff that's being overlooked based on who and where they are. So you have all these different elements at play that's really, is it really fair? Is it really that they're looking for true, um, you know, uh, you know, they're looking for true restrictions on everybody across the board. That's what I'm trying to say. But uh, you know, it's not. It's it's not that. It's not that at all. So how can they be used or how can they be effective? They got to figure it out because, I, you know, listen, Emirates been making three, three, one, one, five, two million to three million. And now the weight is about to drop because he's been fighting this lawsuit for the NIL stuff for a long time and, and to come up a loser. And now to know you don't have no, you know, you're not Al Capone anymore. You're not the Teflon Don anymore. Right. Oh, yeah. You, you got, dang, I need to get up out of here before. <laughs> yeah. Is. I it mean, really, it's an interesting it's time to decide to retire. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. In the mix of everything. So yeah, he's getting out at the right time. Whoever's got to take it over. You got to be really creative right now. They, they, they. Hopefully, they're going to land somebody that's really creative, innovative, fresh, new. You know, uh, just a good uh, mind away to a leader to more see than anything. Like, yeah, just yeah. somebody that's just ready to take over and take the reins and and get out there and really make a make a difference. Because right, it hasn't been that for a while. 
Yeah, and if you're you are the NCAA, you need you need a leader. You need somebody that's going to take charge. You need to be careful because of all the lawsuits that could be impending here. Um, but uh, you also, um, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to be kind of left out as far as the football thing goes because you know a lot of these commissioners um, are already starting to bring it up. And again, maybe if a, a smaller school commissioner says you know brings up maybe we should look this way, you know, go into the college football playoff structure, you think, well, yeah. But if it's Ohio State's commission, you know, athletic director, then you then you got to worry so this stuff it all it's all moving quickly it's all um very interesting i think uh, a lot of people are fearful about what the college football world's going to look like um five to ten years from now uh and i think it certainly will look different but it also looks different now than it did 10 years ago and, and 20 years ago and uh you know it's always been something that's kind of evolving and changing um and i think as long as the brands are out there in my mind if you still have you know uh florida state playing usc uh, I think we'll always be interested, almost regardless, you know, with the, you know, whatever brand name, throw throw Nebraska in there for Oklahoma and all those games that you're going to have. Um, I think that that will still be able to carry uh, more than anything. But there's a long way to go as far as this nil stuff, and they're beginning. They're 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 already um, going to Washington to try to kind of figure it out and 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 get rid of the wild wild west and get some structure on this thing. So we'll see uh, right. what happens in the coming yeah. days. And the next thing that's about the next thing to keep your eye on that's about to change is going to be. Um, the expansion, the expansion of the uh, college football championships and where that goes. And I think that's why it's important because if you're going to expand, uh, you've got to figure out a way to have a second tier, right? You know, you know, you've got the division two and you've got the FCS, those types of chances, but you, you've got to figure out a way to, to make those, those smaller colleges feel good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, about what they're trying to do. And, and maybe, uh, figure out the way to make it fair for them uh, in some way, just, just to get them some form of buy-in. Yes, they will never be able to compete at the highest level, but just, just some way to kind of just give them a little bone and say, yeah, you know, you're in with us. Yeah, You got to figure that out. If they don't figure that out, then there's always probably going to be a, a down vote. Well, and bowl games have been uh, has been fading for years. We've kind of seen that. I don't know how much this would help, Why? but um, well, <laughs> because, because most, of the championships. Most top players now. Well, that part. Yeah, and you know, you know, you're not going to compete. But at the end of the day, too, now big time players are starting to say, "I'm good." Yeah. So NIL is in, in next level and draft stuff is changing the mindset of how some of these kids are thinking as well. What does the bowl game really mean to me? Yeah. And that's why maybe maybe you keep the bowl game structures because what you're worried about is all these, you know, the Bahamas Bowl still makes money. So, you know, keep all those bowls in there and perhaps, you know, integrate them into, first of all, the college football playoff, which which even even though I don't want it to happen, will be expanded in the next couple of years. So, you know, keep that in mind. Maybe you do something and, and this might have lost um, some of its uh, sort of namesake, I suppose, over the last several years. But the NIT structure for college basketball is right. get another tournament. Um, maybe it won't quite mean as much, but you can kind of have the, the other teams that aren't in, if you have an 18 football, you know, playoff, have the other teams compete for that, call it something else. Maybe it's not quite the championships, but it's still, you know, in, interesting and it's people would watch right. it. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what, the, so you're, you're, you're understanding where I'm going with it. Yeah. You've got to figure out a way to do something like that to Make create a bone, especially in football, Yeah, because it's over in the ball game, you know, create something that's going to create some energy. 
Yeah, and and interest, and, and I think, the, you know, you get more players to play in that, maybe less, um, but it's still a national tournament uh, with a lot of brand names and, and, and a lot of uh, team, you know, guys playing to get to the next level. I, th- I think it'd be quite interesting, so maybe that's something that they'll explore. Uh, we'll take a quick break here on the block. We've got uh, we've got Cinco de Mayo. We also have Thirsty Thursday with Kevin Meyer of Meyer's Cork and Bottle, so we'll see how he celebrates his Thirsty Thursday, or excuse me, well, he always celebrates Thirsty Thursday, but his Cinco de Mayo. So happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody out there. We'll be right back with Thirsty Thursday at 93.7 The Ticket. Eric's dancing. <laughs> 